0: أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله تبارك وتعالى وسلم على سيدنا محمد سيدنا والسندنا وحبيبنا وشفيعنا ومولانا صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه وذرياته وأهل بيته ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وبعد Alhamdulillah, in this country my preferred method of dealing with Jumu'ah is that the talk be in English first, and then afterward the khutbah be read in Arabic. There are a number of reasons for this. Perhaps there's another way of doing it. I'm not here to litigate fiqh issues in front of people. But one of the objections people come to me when I do this with is that you people prattle the khutbah in Arabic and you don't understand what you're saying. And I say, this is an interesting objection. And I accept the possibility that somebody might be prattling the khutbah in Arabic and not understanding what they're saying. But that's not what I do. I actually think the khutbah in Arabic is very poignant. And someone might say, well, you say the same thing every week again and again. And I say that, if you say the same thing again and again every week, and it's good. It stays good every week again and again. And there's some benefit in it. And there's a reason actually that certain ayat are repeated by the Ummah, the Prophet ﷺ. To say that it's a sunnah to repeat particular ayat in the khutbah, In the sense that the Prophet ﷺ had at some point read those ayat is true. But to say that he read them every week again and again the same ayat may not be true. But this is also a mercy for all of us that the Rasul ﷺ left these sunan. We hold fast to any of them. And it might be the sabab, the reason for our najat, our salvation on the Day of Judgment. Afterward, if you're going to make a complaint about me or about somebody that this person doesn't practice the entire sunnah, who's the only one who practiced the entire sunnah? Rasulullah ﷺ. We strive and we fall short, but it's also not an excuse to stop striving. One of the ayat that we read in the khutbah, I read in the khutbah, I should say, most weeks, is that Allah Ta'ala says, "Ya you الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا O you who believe, Fear Allah Ta'ala, Let every soul, let every life, let every living person. Let every soul look to what it's prepared for tomorrow. إِنَّ اللَّهَ خَبِيرٌ بِمَا تعملون. Allah Ta'ala is well informed of that which we do. Preparing for tomorrow is an essential characteristic of Iman, of faith. It's an ex- ex- essential characteristic of Islam. It's an essential characteristic of the sunnah. It's part of the way the Rasul sallallahu Alaihi conditioned us to think. Not to just be thrown into a situation and react to it when it comes up, but to try to predict what's going to happen in the future based on what you know from the past and what you know from the present. So in the series of lectures about preparing for Ramadan, knowing that it's over the horizon... Today I want to talk about something that people will find actually quite trite and mundane. Which is what? What are you going to eat for iftar? We don't put a lot of thought into these things. I will share with you something right now, which is not a halal haram issue. Rather, it's a planning issue. Which is what? I personally, when people invite me to iftar parties, nowadays they even have suhoor parties. Wow, mashallah, right? I personally... When I'm invited to an iftar party, I very politely and lovingly decline. I say, inshallah, when Eid comes, we'll enjoy ourselves, we'll have a good time. Why? Because in the iftar party, a person who is accustomed to reading a certain amount of Quran in a day, has that Quran disrupted. Who is accustomed to reciting a certain amount of dhikr in a day, has that dhikr disrupted. A person who is accustomed to praying in a particular masjid, has that prayer disrupted. Masha'allah, there are many pious people. They do have iftar parties, masha'allah, and they make it to the masjid for Isha and for Talawi. Many of them actually end up making it late. Many of them actually end up not making it because of this. And Ramadan is only there one time in the year. There's an entire year, masha'allah. Go, be happy, eat, drink, be merry with your friends. This is not a. This is not a. Uh, I'm sharing with you that it's haram to go and eat at an iftar party. If you still feel like doing it, by all means, go right ahead. But the point is, don't let people, because of their incompetence, steal from your opportunity with Allah Ta'ala. If your job, your boss at work, surely doesn't have more authority over you than Allah Ta'ala, right? If your job, your boss told you, hey, really important uh, deadline coming up next month, I'm going to pay you 70 times your normal salary, but don't screw it up. A person will say, like, you know, I'm sorry, like my cousin's daughter's dog's, like, best friend is getting married and they're having a party at their house. I might say, hey, you know, like, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't make it. Work, what are we going to do? We all have to pay our bills, right? Yet this is exactly the, the, the scenario that's there with Ramadan, that the Rasul ﷺ said good deeds are multiplied 70 times. He said that a nafil deed will be counted and rewarded as if it was a fard. And a fard will be rewarded, amplified, as if it's 70 times the normal fard. And the backstory to that is that the Rasul ﷺ also said that the nafil equivalent of every good deed that's an obligation is worth 1 70th of what it would have been had it been an obligation. This is literally what's happening. See, so it's nothing personal. I'm not an antisocial person. It's not like I don't like you. But this is a particular time for a particular thing. That the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Sayyidina Jibreel وسلم, came to him when he was sitting on his Mubarak Mimbar Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and said, the person who gets through Ramadan and is still not forgiven, that person is cursed, say Amin, And the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said Ameen. In front of all of the companions, تعالى, عنهم, and they didn't see Sayyidina Jibreel Alayhi so they asked ask him, what, what did you say Ameen to? He said Ameen to three things. The hadith, we can talk about it later. The point is, is what? This is an opportunity. Don't let time wasters blow it. The world is filled with time wasters. The world is filled with time wasters and they love company. And I'm not saying go up to somebody and say, you're a time waster. That's bad akhlaq. But the sunnah is to treat people well, to give them good advice when they ask for it, to be there to render assistance when they need it, to think well of them. But at the same time, it doesn't mean that if somebody is, you know, there to, you know, every, like the last time you met the guy, he burned your car. And then the, the time before that, you met him, he stole your wallet. And the time before that, he, you met him, he punched you in the face. Right? The fourth time around, you should know better. And what is the sunnah? The sunnah is still, you don't call, you don't, you don't mouth off to the guy or, you know, commit an act of zulm against them or... You know, have a bad opinion of them Who knows, maybe they had this issue at home Maybe they're mentally ill Maybe they have, you know, their mother didn't love them When they were a child or whatever And they had some disadvantage that you were, you know That, that you had an advantage in or whatever Inside your heart you think well of people But you don't let yourself be Victimized by their stupidity again and again Their excuses, they're stupid What's your excuse? So this is something with regards to preparing Ramadan What you're going to eat what are you going to eat in Ramadan? The point of Ramadan is what that a person has an exercise in sabr, in patience. Ghazali rahimullah ta'ala mentions what that the human being has two great shahawat and one is built on top of the other. What are the shahawat of a human being? The, 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 the desire, the carnal desire to eat and the carnal desire to mate. And the latter is built on top of the former. If you can master the former, this, the latter will come into your control. Or there's a possibility it might come into your control. Whereas if you cannot master the former, you have no chance with the latter at all. Many of us, mashallah, many of us, Allah ta'ala protected us. Our own lack of charm and <laughs> bad fashion sense prevents us from having any fitna in the latter. Otherwise, the crisis is only a crisis of opportunity, I assure you. And once that lack of charm and aesthetic sense is lifted, then we will be in a bad place. If we think that the diseases that prey and plague other people are not going to prey and plague us, they're not going to prey on and plague us. We have another thing coming. This is not how the world works. Ghazali rahimullah ta'ala mentions that if the point of fasting is to control the carnal desire for food and drink, and you end up eating just as much while you're fasting as you would have when you weren't fasting, then something has gone wrong because all you're doing is you're taking that desire and you're focusing, in it, focusing, focusing it, it like a laser. It becomes even more powerful. If you're just going to snap at iftar and eat everything until you're sick and food is coming out of your ears The sad part is that we actually end up eating more in Ramadan than we eat outside of Ramadan The point is not necessarily to browbeat or, 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 or give people a hard time But if this is something we struggle with, let's at least think about it, try to plan If you're eating more than you would have outside, at least try to say, okay, like this is how many calories I eat normally Or this is the type of stuff I eat normally I am going to control and try to eat as much as I do normally. I'm going to think about how is it that I can use the fast for its intended purpose in order to benefit from it rather than abuse it and then wonder why it's not benefiting me. A person theoretically should eat less. but It's okay, go eat your iftar. Nobody's saying don't eat or even be, you know, don't satiate yourself to some point. I feel like many of us are. Relationship with food is dysfunctional. It's not a relationship of nourishment, but it's like a, more akin to the relationship that an addict has with drugs. Say Bismillah before you eat. Say Alhamdulillah when you're done. And when you're full, just stop. It's okay. You don't have to introduce another meal between suhur and iftar as well after you're done with taraweeh. Read Quran, go to sleep, do something. There are ways of mitigating it. It's not like all or none. I'm not saying that, okay, either you go from gorging yourself to like, okay, now this Ramadan, I'm just going to eat nur, and that's it. There's like a lot in the middle, inshallah, even incremental incremental, uh, improvements. Every improvement opens the door to another improvement afterward. So take that approach with it. Talking about food in Ramadan, what you're going to eat in Ramadan. Eat those things that are easily digested and they're not going to make you lazy. If you know eating more dessert, eating more sugar, eating more cake, even more, eating more carbs is going to make you tired and fall asleep during taraweeh, eat less of it, eat something else. There are all sorts of like other things. There are many things that a person enjoys eating that may be better for you. If you don't particularly digest something well, instead of belching in the masjid while taraweeh is happening and being a unique fitna, To the Iman of the person standing next to you Try to eat something else Try to eat less Maybe eat when you're done When you come back to Taraweeh None of us is going to die You know what the world record is? In terms of calories Obviously not drinking water But the world record for a person Like how long a person has gone Without eating calories It's something like 380 days you're not going to die if you pray taraweeh and you come back and eat if it's, that's the issue. And Allah Ta'ala will reward you for your salat and for the salat of the people around you that you don't disrupt. if That's an issue. What are we going to eat during Ramadan? This is the most important thing all of us have to remember. Which is what? Fasting is an exercise that was legislated by Allah Ta'ala... One of the wisdoms of which is what? You make those things that are otherwise halal for you, haram. So that you have now inside of you the capacity to resist halal. Which will, by rational analogy, increase your capacity to resist that which is haram. If a person is going to fast and then they're going to open their fast on... Food which is haram or food which is doubtful all it does is it concentrates and increases the harm that the haram is going to do to a person halal provision halal food is like a medicine it will treat your sickness it will cure you of your illness only when administered at the proper dose If you take, you have a headache, and you take an entire Costco bottle of Tylenol and down it all at once, you will die. You will kill yourself. If the recommended dosage is two pills and you take 20, you may not die. You might, I don't know. You may not die, however, but it's going to screw you up. It's gonna mess you up. It's gonna give you other problems. Halal risk, halal provision, halal food is like medicine. It will be beneficial to you if administered at the proper dosage. As for haram, it is poison. All of it will harm you. A great amount will harm you. A small amount will harm you. And those things that are doubtful. It's like rolling the dice. Someone says there's only one out of a hundred chances that this thing might actually be haram. According to my Calculation What does that mean? It's harming you one out of a hundred times You're going to eat more than a hundred times in your life Leave the things that are doubtful Leave them In Ramadan, especially leave them Why? Because you don't want to what? Concentrate and focus that poison And it's deleterious effect on you I'm not going to stand here I'm not going to stand here and tell you This is haram, this is halal usually don't want to, and I try not to talk about those fiqh issues that are a difference of opinion, whether that difference of opinion is real or perceived. Because this is not the forum for that. You should go and learn the fiqh of these things by the people who are knowledgeable about them. However, I'm telling you just the concept that if you don't plan what you're going to eat in Ramadan beforehand, you may end up... Harming yourself more. You come into the Ramadan expecting some kind of benefit, you may actually end up harming yourself more. On the flip side, if you plan what you're going to eat, you might find this Ramadan is actually much better. It's much better than the Ramadan you've had in the past. So be very careful and very scrupulous about what you eat. Fun, interesting discussions we have about what's halal and what's Haram. People say, "Mawlana Sab." Why do you guys only talk about this again and again? Is this the only thing you guys know? They say the non-Muslim civilizations have made it to the moon and you guys are still talking about halal and haram. Okay, they made it to the moon. We're talking about halal and haram. What's your achievement? The point is, is what? The point is, is what? Even from a materialistic point of view, completely materialistic point of view, being strict about what you eat in terms of halal and haram, Is a complete no-brainer? Tell me something. Is Islam supposed to be something you do as a hobby on like Friday afternoons? Or is it a complete way of life? Is it something that you only practice as an individual? Or is it something that we have to practice as a community? Is it something that is only restricted to ritual practices and then when we go out into the streets, you can act like a a, a monkey if you want to. But I'm a good Muslim because I prayed five times a day. Of course, it's a complete way of life Allah Ta'ala gave us And we're not supposed to think about it Because you know everything we do, we do for the sake of Allah Ta'ala The greatest reward and the greatest return And the vision that we have of why this is benefiting us Primarily is what? Focused on the Day of Judgment But it's far away for some people Some of us have some sort of spiritual attention deficit So let's talk about this world Allah Ta'ala gave us such a robust economic system, of business, that there are no more butchers anywhere in America anymore. There are only three types of people who go to a butcher. One is people who are extremely rich and they have some sort of high-end meat that they they require, procure, speciality, something that's unaffordable. The second is what? Foreigners that eat things that are not industrially uh, processed. And the third is what? People who... Fear Allah Ta'ala. Halal. Everybody else has to go to these huge multi-million, multi-billion dollar shops in order to buy their food. And what's happened with food in this country? The meat is a complete nightmare and it's a disaster and the non-meat is a complete nightmare and it's a disaster. This country is the country where they used to tell us that smoking cigarettes is good for you and milk is poison. Eggs are going to kill you. Everything natural, everything that's good and pure, put it to the side. Here's some high fructose corn syrup. Here's some sugar. Have, look, it's fat-free. Have some sugar. Even the scientists themselves will tell you, okay, yeah, uh, you know, we had to take that with a grain of salt. Tell me something. Has something changed in the way the society works? What drives all of that propaganda? It's all a love for money and it's all a greed. Now someone says, no, 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 Sheikh, no, 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 we don't do that anymore. Now I'm having my organic double, triple, skinny latte, oat milk, whatever. Tell me something, what made them say the things that they said in the past? Was it some sort of data, scientific data? Absolutely not. Was it some sort of misunderstanding? Absolutely not. It was all fraud driven by greed. You tell me, in, the, in this country, especially those of you who've been around for a while, have people become less greedy or more greedy since then? Have people become less God-fearing or more God-fearing since then? They may not have been Muslims, but they used to at least go to church Do they care more about their fellow man or do they care less? Do they care more about their families or less? Those people who used to lie and cheat in the 70s, at least they would come home and they had like a wife and kids. Now it's all gone. It's all become a mockery. It's all become fake. This is why Sha'a Waliyah Ta'ala, he said, If it wasn't for the knowledge of the Anbiya, والسلام, both, both, this world and the hereafter would have been destroyed. Hereafter, you should understand why. Because the key that opens the door to Jannah for everybody is La Ilaha Illallah. Without it, no one gets in. But in this world, remember that as well. Remember that as well. That you're the one who says to me, Sheikh, so-and-so said that. Eating at halal, McDonald's is halal. Eating at Burger King is halal. Buying my meat from Osco is halal. All of this. And I've become tired. My teeth are falling out. Trying to explain it's, why it's not. Put all that aside. This is, again, it's not a fiqh dars. You tell me now. You tell me. Just like when the pandemic started, we couldn't get masks in this country. Why? Because we've outsourced all of our manufacture to China. As Muslims, we're like one of the last sectors of society other than those people who are obscenely wealthy. That actually has our own food chain our own production chain intact, relatively intact, by which we can eat our things and drink our things that are clean and pure, that are suited to a human being and suited to somebody whose body should enter Jannah one day. This body will enter Jannah, not another one. Not just this ruh. your body will enter Jannah one day. If it's filled with filth, who has right over it? Jannah or the hellfire? We're one of the few people who still has this, this, this production line intact. It's tenuous. And then somebody is telling me that Sheikh So-and-so gave a fatwa in the 70s because everybody in America is a Christian that you can go and eat their meat. They say, they say this is a precept in, in iftah when you're learning how to answer fit questions. They say that the mufti is the asir al-mustafti. The person who answers the question is a prisoner of the one who gives the question, right? You ask a question, the one who's answering it is only going to answer the question you asked. So what is the question? America is a Christian country. So can you eat the meat over there? Yeah, if there's something in, you know, some Marvel Dimension X universe where, called America, that's filled with only Christians, then maybe the Fuqaha will say, okay, it's not haram. What happened to the economics? What happened to the practicality? What happened to the common sense? What happened to the food chain? What happened to what's healthy? What's not healthy? What happened to us? building our own selves and, and keeping the security, food security of our own community intact. Put those, all those things aside. How desperate are we to be lazy about these things? How desperate are we to be lazy about, those, about these things? That we're willing to take a fatwa from somebody who has no idea what's going on in America, who's never been to high school or middle school or elementary school in America, who only thinks there's two genders. Ha uh-huh. ha. Just so we can avoid paying like 15 cents more per pound for like chicken or beef or whatever, double, triple. This is so expensive. It's because you guys don't buy it. If you guys bought it, I swear to God, everybody, every Kaffir himself will scramble and fight with another Kaffir in order to provide it to you cheaper because it's a viable business. Why is it that we didn't have masks in this country at the beginning of pandemic? Why? Because somebody in a suit got like a $100,000 bonus to know that we can save like half a... Sent on like an entire carton of, uh, of, of, uh, of masks By outsourcing its production to somewhere else And then when we need it, it's not there anymore This Ramadan, bite the bullet, okay Instead of, instead of buying a new chandelier for the masjid Instead of, you know, doing some other super pious Like double, triple, gold star, umrah or whatever This is going to be your nafaqa on you and your family Who are the most deserving of your sadaqa, Which is what? Buy something, you know it's halal. You, Yom al-Qiyamah, you're not going to have to explain and say, but this, that, and the other thing. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept. Wa sallallahu ta'ala ala ala alihi wa sahbihi